You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. We'll be talking about the Velvet Underground and Nico's self-titled album. In the room, I have Rob, Ben, Sean, and Jackson. Hey! The Velvet Underground and Nico is a self-titled debut album by the American rock band of the same name. It was released March 12, 1967 on Verve Records. The producer was cited as Andy Warhol, and the genre is art rock, proto-punk, psychedelic rock. And from all music review, Mark Deming, one would be hard-pressed to name a rock album whose influence has been as broad and pervasive as the Velvet Underground and Nico. While it reportedly took over a decade for the album sales to crack six figures, glam, punk, new wave, goth, noise, and nearly every other left of the center rock movement owes an audible debt to this set. While the Velvet Underground had as distinctive a sound as any band, what's most surprising about the album is its diversity. Here the Velvets dip their toes into dreamy pop in Sunday morning, tough garage rock and waiting for the man, stripped down R&B, there she goes again, and understated love songs, I'll Be Your Mirror. Lou Reed's lyrical exploration of drugs and kinky sex always receives the most press attention, but the music Reed, John Cale, Sterling Morris, and Maureen Tucker played was as radical as the words they accompanied. The bracing discord of European sun, the troubling beautiful all tomorrow's parties, and the expressive dynamics of heroin all remain as compelling as the day they were recorded. While the significance of Nico's contributions have been debated over the years, she meshes with the band's outlook in that she hardly sounds like a typical rock vocalist. And if Andy Warhol's presence as a producer was primarily a matter of signing the checks, his notoriety allowed the Velvet Underground to record their material without compromise, which would have been impossible under most other circumstances. Few rock albums are as important as the Velvet Underground Nico, and fewer still have lost so little of their power to surprise and intrigue more than 50 years after hitting the racks. All right, what do we think of the Velvet Underground and Nico? It's okay, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. No, it's really good. How good is it? It is, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to call it a classic. Well, <laughs> cool your jets. I mean, we're, we're sitting in a basement around a, a table of Velvet Underground fans. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great record. I, I, what, else, like, what can I say that hasn't been said by rock credits for the last 60 years, you know? Why do you think it wasn't received initially? Well, it wasn't carried in a lot of stores. It wasn't played on a lot of radio stations. Verve didn't do that much to promote it. And, you know, I guess the the people that did somehow through all that hear it, it sounds 
it sounds weird and it sounds fresh and new, but like to it, it could almost sound like scary, off-putting, given like the the musical climate of 1967. I'd say Alien, honestly. Yeah. This, this sound. This was this was shelved for a year before it came out, right? Yeah, but I believe a lot of that had to do with the, uh, the production. The, the production of the, of the yeah with the, the banana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the, sure, the but peel that, off that means they were recording this which is yeah. even crazier. Know, like that, this is what was coming out it's because crazy. I mean, I mean, as far as I'll be honest with you, the, the past few weeks have not been kind uh, to me and mine with with my ears, and this is just with like, the West Coast oh, this psychedelic like fresh. This is a, like a, a can of cold beer after mowing the lawn. <laughs> yeah, like it's just refreshing, like to to my ears. Um, yeah, they, and and yeah, nothing nothing like this. Nothing sounded like this. There's no way like anything but like the the weirdo like radio stations would have picked this up and and done and, much with it at all. I mean, it's it's hard to like the best song on, or at least the most like commercial friendly song or radio friendly song. Sorry, not radio friendly. The more upbeat song is literally an instruction manual for going out and buying heroin. <laughs> like you know, that that's not gonna that's not gonna fly on the radio mm-hmm. in uh, sixty seven. And, and underground radio wasn't even really that much of a thing yet. You know, it's still in its infancy. I think something that's kind of remarkable about it too is that like each song sounds way different from all the others. Like there's not. It doesn't all sound the same at all, but it's, like, very Velvet Underground. Like, it's singular still, somehow. Yeah, somehow they keep it, like, cohesive. Mm-hmm. Even though, yeah, they go off in those different tangents and stuff like that. I, I blame mean, John Cale. Yeah, John Cale, I think. Well, and it helps that, like, helped Lou Reed and Nico both have insanely distinctive voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're not going to get someone else, like, if, if everybody in the band was singing a different track, it might sound... Less cohesive. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I learned something this week. So about this album. Mm-hmm. So tell it. Uh, you know, Andy Warhol famously credited as producer, but also you know famously not really doing much other than you know paying the bills and approving, sitting approvingly of things. I learned who's actually in there setting up the mics and turning the knobs this week. It's your boy Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. Yeah. This project. I did not know who Tom Wilson was before we started doing this Thousand Albums project. And the places he turns up, he I think he might be like my hero of the 60s. <laughs> he is, like, we're, it seems like every album that we're talking about where something's like cool and weird and the producer's like, yeah, man, do it. It's like always Tom Wilson. Everywhere from the Velvet Underground to like Frank Zappa to Dylan going electric. Bob Dylan, yeah. To... To Simon and Garfunkel, like he, like Tom Wilson's always in there. It's neat. I like yeah. him. Yeah, I mean Verb. I mean he's the yeah he's the Verb guy. So makes sense. Yeah. The one thing I, I did read about this is uh, a lot of it was done uh, tuned down a whole step because John Cale thought that sounded sexy. Ooh. Quote sexy. Uh, so John Cale gets hard and drop D. So. <laughs> He's also a farter. <laughs> oh. What? Yeah, I read it. <laughs> sits around and farts a lot. Did you Google like farting celebrities? <laughs> How do you find Do you not Google farting celebrities? <laughs> not today. <laughs> no, I read a book about Nico. I've read a couple couple books about Nico, and one of them uh, heard the dude in her band at the time is. Okay, which record is it? One of her solo records. Um, it's the last one. This is her last record. John Cale produced. 
dude said John Cale just farted the whole studio up. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't, didn't give a fuck either. Wow. So, like, this whole record could be fueled by farts. We had no idea. <laughs> Heroin and farts. This is not what I want to be talking about. No, I'm he's, talking about... he's dropping that D. <laughs> uh, this record blew my, changed my fucking life, basically. When yeah. did you find out about it? Yeah, when did you listen to it first? 1999. So, what's that? I was, is I that, was just. Is that college? First year? You were 18 Yeah. Uh-huh. I went to college and... Um, Braggart. <laughs> oh, don't worry. It didn't last long. <laughs> and I went for eight years, so... Oh, God. That's a long time. Um, I can remember going to... Like, I had always, like, seen... I knew the image of the banana, you know? And I had... I'd probably known the band name, but I was like, I don't even know who really this really is. But I bought a bunch of, like, used CDs... And a lot of like classic records that you know that I never really knew what they were, or what they really sounded like, but wanted to check them out. And this was one of them. And yeah, it's hard because like Ben said, it's like what hasn't fucking been said about the, about this record. But really, I mean, it's like nothing else. Like I mean, everybody after this totally has the blue. You know, the blueprint is here. Is this the beginning of art rock? Well, we've would already covered say? the monks. Yeah, monks, I would say, would be the... Uh... Yeah, but they're more like abrasive, garagey kind of angular. And this also, is definitely like a lot also more like I don't think sound. Uh, many people heard the monks. I don't think many people heard this. No. Well, I mean, I think... I think less people I think, heard the But monks. I think Andy Warhol, having his name associated and... It's quite popular. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I'd be, I'd be curious to see what the monks were pulling when they were like overseas because they were involved in whatever artist movement was going on in Germany. Yeah, but not um, here. I don't. No, think not here. That's what I'm saying. Maybe more centralized here. I love that famous uh, Brian Eno quote uh, of the like the the not that many like people like well like the first the the first pressing of thirty thousand albums like. It, we're not flying off the shelves. Not many people bought it. Not many people listened to it. But they all started a band. Yeah. It, it's cool. I like that. Wait, what's the whole quote? Nobody <laughs> nobody <laughs> bought the record. Okay. Um, Let me pull it up. Only He said like only 100 people bought the record, but the 100 people who did okay. all started yeah. it. All right, cool. And like, so we're talking like, I don't know, Patti Smith, I'm trying to think of who... In television. Like the, television. Television. Probably Bruce Springsteen, too. I would guess. I'd like to know. And actually, I've always wondered. You know how they... And I'm not trying to change this and make talk about the Go on. Beatles. But, like... You know how <laughs> they say, like, that Paul... Like, so Paul was the only, like, single one in, like, 66. Like, and he was, like... The, he was, like, going to, like, shows and stuff. And, like, he, he was the dude on the ground and, you know... In the clubs, seeing seeing the shows and shit. But I always wonder, like, does, was Paul hip to the fucking Velvet Underground because of Revolver? Like, there's some similarities to these records. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It just made... I was just wondering. I was wondering. I mean, about. I think he was hip to the art scene. I know. Which Warhol was... For sure. For sure. Big in, and... We could probably do the math and see which one was recorded first, but, like... Or Revolver I'm just was curious. First. Because they had it already... It came out in 66. Yeah. Yeah, so that was before. Yeah. But, but still... they were recording at the same time. I'm sure they were... This was recorded they, in, yeah. they a- ran April in the, of 66. In the, like, the same circles. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't, no, I don't think you're too far off. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that Paul... Like, 
I don't know that Paul ever like went to New York and hung out when they weren't on tour. Yeah, but also before uh, the Velvets recorded this, they they did that that Warhol tour. Yeah, yeah. So Exploding plastic th- inevitable. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that that could have totally somewhere. You totally. Know? <clears throat> April 66. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so Revolver was also recorded starting the 6th of April of 66. Mm. Whoa. Right on. Conspiracy. <gasps> Collusion. Yep. yep. <laughs> They're the same band, guys. <laughs> we cracked it. <laughs> So some have said this is the biggest gap of an album from initial, you know, success to ultimate, like, historical reverence. Yeah. It sold the least amount. Yeah. And now it's considered Yeah. gold, right? Yeah. Would you say that's true? I don't know. I mean, people were hip to... Yeah. People were hip to the Love Underground. I mean, on a wider level. I mean, in the 80s. Yeah. At the latest. Yeah. You mean uh, like the biggest length of time or the biggest just spark to fire ratio? Spark to fire. So when it initially came out, you know, it's like no one saw saw it. Comparing this in movie terms, it would be something like Blade Runner where no one saw it. But the people who did, like, it became this huge thing. Yeah. I don't know. No, no, Sun Pumps are still putting out records, so we'll, we'll, we'll see if anybody... I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> uh, there's still time. It's probably a pretty good case for that, because yeah. I can't think of anything that is, like, big, yeah. you know, on that, that level. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the only one that I could, that first came to mind was, like, Neutral Milk Hotel, but that's nowhere near as big as Velvet Underground yeah. and Nico. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Also, like, the metrics have changed. Like, you can't measure how many people... Have actually enjoyed the Neutral Milk Hotel album now that people aren't buying albums anymore. Also true. True. Yeah. Who has a favorite track on this album? Mine changes almost every time I listen to this record. I was gonna say mm-hmm. mine. Yeah. All tomorrows is is. This is pretty like quite di- good. Pretty distilled. Yeah. Like, um, example of the sort of weird avant-garde magic of the mm-hmm. record. Yeah, I was also going to say heroin is also in that. For sure. Just I was always drawn more to like the up-tempo garagey ones. I always like like waiting for the man, yeah. run, 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 there she goes. Those are just, so I, I love the whole record, but like those were the ones that, uh, when I when I was first listening to it when I was like 18, 19, I, I liked the, the garage rock songs. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, uh, last time I listened to it, European Sun was yeah, the, the one that I totally. enjoyed the most. There's viola feedback, yeah. which is hilarious. Yeah, wait till you get to White Light, White Heat <laughs> Yeah, for feedback time. I played Venus and Furs on the radio today, and it was my favorite one while I was listening to it. 
<laughs> so awesome. <laughs> I think there was a switch for me too, like like you, Ben, where, it, yeah, waiting for the man. It, it was like I was into those were early, like they really clicked with me. But then, like when I started listening in like Sunday morning and stuff like that, where it started almost getting into this like hazy weirdness of all tomorrow's parties and stuff like that is like where I truly started to find like my love of the band. Yeah. It's like initially, you, you know, sometimes you you get that early acceptance of a band to sure. be like, this is cool. This yeah. is really cool. But then all of a sudden there's like almost it, like a switch of saying, yeah, wow. It makes other songs make more sense to you or yeah. something. That's a, that's a mark of a, very good band too i mean sure also they could write a really sweet pop song really like i love i'll be your mirror that's one of my my favorites i love it it's beautiful it's so short that i'm like oh it's over already and i'm bummed (laughs) out i never want to be over yeah but like it's it's a truly sweet good little pop song which they really which was one of the ones that they just sort of did just because they had to have nico on the record Mm -hmm. you know you ever hear, I'm sorry to change the subject, but right now we're listening to All Tomorrow's Parties. Have you guys ever hear, I, I never oh, noticed it until I was like listening to it with headphones earlier today, like the, the little bit of a sinking issue. I just, I just heard it. Yeah. yeah. It's when she says, and what costumes shall the poor girl wear? It's like, it's like, and. Yeah. And it sounds cool. It's cool. But they just like, like eh. I guess didn't care enough to fix close, it. Close enough. Right. Yeah. We'll fix it in post. Let's yeah. go shoot up. <laughs> I feel like there are probably a lot of moments like that on this record if you For sure. work hard enough. I think that they also, that this song is uh, it's very speeded somehow. Mm-hmm. If it's, I think it's maybe it's slowed down. Were they using the studio yeah. as an instrument? Oh my god! <laughs> you just blew my mind, Rob. Rob hates It's almost that. like New York City is a character. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yep. Now, there, there is something about... Uh, it was slowed down. I think even yeah. not intentionally. Right. Like uh, I was reading about that. Like some some like musicology guy at like BYU. <laughs> it's like uh, he 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 was comparing the like the the scores to these songs uh, that said they were in A and live footage of the band from around the time, or like the song, like where like a song would be in A, and then on the album it's in like A flat. Hmm. And and it's it, I think it turns out like it was it was like the tape was slowed down a little bit. Interesting. Like that seems not, like not intentionally. That seems like a very John Cale absolutely thing John, to do. Yeah, I know whose idea that was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. It was definitely John Cale. Uh, does so? <laughs> uh, sorry to interrupt. Oh. The, there she goes again. Yeah. Um. Yeah, ripped off intro from. Um, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, no! I, I I was listening to it and I was just like, did he just say you gotta hit that chick? Uh, yeah, I think he says that. So uh, you better hit her is like a literal thing. I think that's what he says. Man, I've never, I've it's never been, took it literally like that for stuff. some reason. No, I'm pretty sure he's advocating beating the lady. I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. this album doesn't really shy away from anything dark. No. True. Yeah. yeah. True. I was just gonna talk about that. How do you guys? I mean, when this came out, a lot of a lot of places wouldn't play it. They, yeah. would, you know, they kind of got shunned just for the explicit. I mean, the fact that and it's taboo still, things they're talking about. It still seems really dark and crazy. 
So I can't imagine how that must have felt in a time where people were very not yeah. dark. It's no, yeah. It's, it's not a surprise that it didn't. Also at a time where it's a lot of like everyone love each other and uh, sort of the flower mm-hmm. power movement. That's you know, kind of my favorite part. <laughs> is that they were right right there in the same thing and they were like, let's not just trying for that at all. Yeah. 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 We are the opposite of that. Yeah. Also, <laughs> fuck you guys. <laughs> I mean, it's a good, like, expression of what the contemporary, like, New Yorker in the art scene was like. You know, they weren't hippies. They just, that yeah. wasn't them at all. And totally. this is, like, a nice kind of snapshot of that. Yeah, the, and, the, the, the grime of the city really does. Yeah. And remember, too, in this. New York City, you know, before, like, the... Before Giuliani yeah, was, was just fucking 90s nasty. was gnarly as hell. Yeah. yeah. I mean... It was not considered a safe place to fucking go on spring break, you know? Yeah. So They didn't have a Bennigan's yet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Makes me sick. No Olive Garden? Uh, Where am I going to take my family? <laughs> I read a, a cool uh, quote from Lou Reed about, like, the, the subject matter uh, of his lyrics. And he was talking about how, like, he, he... The literature that he really enjoyed was, like... It's like William S. Burroughs and Allen Ginsberg was also like Raymond Chandler, like the like kind of just like noir fiction stuff. No Bukowski? Uh probably, but it wasn't one of the ones that he hmm. cited. Uh but and and those those authors and those books sold and they sold like they they moved off the shelves, you know? And his point was, well, if that's the kind of stuff that you might read, why not listen to it? Like he's like, if if A, then why not B? Yeah. And I agree That's with cool. it one hundred percent. Like the like, it's a shame that so many people weren't making that that lateral. They're like, oh, I can read it, but I, I sure can't listen to it. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I guess maybe to listen to it, also people, other you, you run the risk of other people catching you listening listening <laughs> to it. That's true. Whereas you can yeah. you can read a book in bed. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little more of a private. Yeah, experience and yeah. rock and roll. It, you know, in nineteen sixty seven was not. I mean, I don't know. This just sounds so dangerous and weird mm-hmm. to everybody. I'm sure you know. Yeah, it's probably yeah. weird to. I mean, it's literally about heroin. Yeah, this song's called <laughs> heroin. <laughs> Be the death of me. my life <laughs> because a man I, to my vein needs to a center in my head and then I'm better off and dead Kidding! Don't do heroin. I don't. I don't know if we uh, have to even talk of uh, each of our opinions. Is everybody just on the positive on yeah, this yeah. one? Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Everybody unanimous. But, but thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need to get just want to make sure. Nineteen sixty-seven housewife at this. 
table because I want that opinion <laughs> right? too. Right? Yeah. Like, Just like a Betty Draper. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where's what Betty the Draper? Hell is she this? died. Oh, damn. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> I would I would love to have someone that we just we can like put it out there and be like, who's never heard this album? And then bring them in and yeah. like yeah. have them ex- oh, man. do their like first listen or something. That'd be great. <clears throat> It would be different though to have somebody who was around at this time who had never heard of heard this, yeah, know, because yeah. they did experience the context of the album a little differently than we would have. Or what even about like a younger person too who's just not hip to, yes, like a young dork. You, you, you yeah, want to capture a youth off all the, the young dork, bring him down to this basement, <laughs> make him listen to no <laughs> Nico and the Velvet Underground. I mean, what's wrong with that? Herp. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> this is what Lou Reed was warning about. Yeah, <laughs> song. right. Busted. I got a straw hat you can borrow. <laughs> I have a good anecdote as well, and I know I've probably told some of you guys, but I'll tell it here for posterity. Yeah. Um, I ended up one night um, hanging out and going out to dinner with Jonathan Richmond from the Modern Lovers. Who, That's awesome. Also, if you know, part of his, like, he's famous for, like, being a kid. And just being obsessed with the Velvet Underground, like, following them and stuff. Didn't he, like, run away from home and crash with Lou Reed? Basically, yeah, yeah to follow the freaking Velvet Underground, which is amazing. Um, it's a long story how this happened, but um, it's a really funny one. But um, I asked him, um, we were sitting at uh, Ramsey's Cafe here in Louisville, Kentucky, and Jonathan, like, he wasn't really, he's, he's very soft-spoken as part of his reputation as well. But, um, and I knew that, you know, he, I knew that people know that that's part of his story. So I felt stupid asking him, but I had to, I was just like, all right, dude, I know you probably don't want to hear any stories or questions about the Velvet Underground, but like, what's your favorite, what's your favorite record? And like, you know, like your favorite like era of the band. And he was like this one, the first one. I can't remember why. Um, I think it was, I think, no, I think he did say he was just like, you know, because I was a kid and it was so romantic and cool. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, he was like living, he was living it basically. That's nuts. Do you think that when like teenage Jonathan Richmond was following around above and underground on tour, hanging out with, uh, Lou Reed and stuff, do you think that he was singing his little folk songs about not doing drugs to him? (laughs) (laughs) It's good. It's a good question. Aw, what is Try this one, Lou. <laughs> Do you think that John Cale is Hippie Johnny? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> hippie Johnny. Oh my god. Love oh, we it. Didn't even talk about the cover, but great cover. Iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peel that sticker off. Peel that. Bananas aren't pink, Peel guys. Here. What's up with that? Yeah. It's <laughs> so weird. Pink banana. I was going to say something, but. What kind of banana is that? There's a band that love bananas. <laughs> That's their thing. Uh, yeah, I can't. I'm, I mean, I peeled slowly. That cover has been on so many. Yeah. I mean, it's just iconic. Yeah. If I had that record as a child, I totally would have peeled the banana off because yeah. I just like was an idiot. Like now, I, I own it as an adult. I don't have a poly bag on it though because I'm still kind of an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that you wrote "Good Lovin'" on your <laughs> on I your did copy. Do that. Yeah, it was just a really good joke I you came just, up with. It's really into the young rascals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be continued. Uh, uh, anything else for this one? Oh man, you know this. The intro for this song is. What's the song? Um, there she goes again. I'm so sorry. Thank you. 
We're listening to There She Goes Again by the Velvet Underground. And the intro, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, is totally like an R&B song. I mean, clearly this song is influenced by that. But the intro is straight up stolen from something, and I can't think of what it is. It doesn't matter. It's like on the tip of my brain. Um, it's like, could it be Marvin Gaye or Curtis Mayfield? I can't remember. Maybe we'll have an epilogue to this I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. (laughs) You're going to get like a 3 a.m. text from Jackson. It's like, Birch, it's this song. Add the episode. (laughs) Don't invoke me. (laughs) Don't don't invoke my middle of the night texting. (laughs) It'll happen. It's Marvin Gaye Hitchhike. Yeah. All right, next episode we'll be talking about Francis Albert Sinatra and Antonio Carlos Jumpin and their self-titled album. All right, thanks, y'all. Thanks. Cry the 